Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica. I'm your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinio, and I'm coming to you on Classico Day. That's right. It is Friday, the 21st of October. The Classico is about an hour and a half away, and um, I can't wait for this match. Uh, the nerves are going just a little bit, as you can imagine. Anytime we travel north to the Stadio do Ladrão, I am always concerned of what kind of shenanigans may go on and what type of Befica shows up, I have to admit. It's been so many so many times with the same, uh, just the same old things showing up over and over and over again. I do believe in this team. I do believe in Roger Schmidt, and I do believe today is going to be different. I said that in the last episode, but in this episode today, I'm here to talk about the women's football team. Okay, we're going to bring you up to date on what's going on with the women's football team, undefeated until this past uh, Wednesday, where unfortunately, Benfica's women lost their first match of the season, and they lost it in a very, um, I was going to say exaggerated way, but I don't know if it's exaggerated. That's how good FC Barcelona is. I talked about that in the in the lead up to it. How just how good Barcelona is. It was not at the Camp Nou, thanks to La Liga scheduling the Barcelona men to play Villarreal on the next day. So it was played at the Johan Cruyff Stadium at La Masia. But nonetheless, um, Barcelona showed what the difference is between. Portuguese women's football and Spanish women's football at the moment. And, and I've said it before. I think Barcelona is the best team in the world. Um, last year, they lost only one game all season. It, it happened to be the Champions League final against Leon. 
But, I mean, that is, for me, still the best women's football team in the world. And Befica saw firsthand just how good they are. And uh, it was it was also a, a perfect storm of issues and circumstances that I think made this worse than it would have been. Uh, I'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, but outside of that match, still a very, very good start to the season for the Benfica ladies. Okay, Perfect up until Wednesday. Uh, and by perfect, I mean all victories. Already having won a Super Cup, as you know. And off to a flying start in the Liga BPI. But we're going to start with the Champions League. Um, we're going to take a short little break here and uh, come back. Um, you're going to hear the Women's Champions League anthem, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about first about the road to the Champions League, at least what we haven't covered in this show. In the last women's episode, I talked about uh, Befica qualifying for the final qualifying round or the, the playoff round of the Champions League where they faced off with the Rangers. I'm going to quickly go back through those two matches and then we'll get into this Barcelona match. All right, that'll be on the other side of this break here. Enjoy the Women's Champions League anthem. Our girls earned it. And uh, we're there again, among, remember, among the best 16 in Europe. And there's, you know, big teams with larger payrolls already out and already uh, watching on television. So um, this is Mr. Befica. I'm the Mr. Michael Christina, like I said. Follow the show on Twitter at Befica Mr. on Twitter. And you can also follow the show on Instagram at Mr. Befica. And follow me personally on Twitter at Mike Agustino. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. We'll be right back on the other side of the anthem. to episode 146 of Mr. Benfica. Mr. Michael Cristino here with you. Let's talk about the women's team's path to the UEFA Champions League group stage. Okay, It was the final playoff round. We're going to quickly recap these two matches. Two legs played over the space of a week at the end of September. It was September 20th. Rangers hosting Benfica at Ibrox. Props to Rangers for putting this match where it belongs at Ibrox and not out on the training ground. Again, Rui Costa, you gotta do better. You gotta get you gotta do better. 
That's all I got to say. Um, I know this week's heavy result at Barcelona um, really, it really just destroys some of the confidence and some of the belief that a portion of the fan base has in this team and in its mission. But a lot of people do not understand the difference um, between playing domestically and playing amongst the best in Europe. Uh, teams like Barcelona have many, many years of a head start on Befica. And Befica is still very early in the project. And it's such an important building piece to put the important matches, the matches that really, really deserve it on the biggest stage. And I sure hope that when Barcelona comes to to, to Lisboa to take on Befica or comes to Portugal, that it is in Lisboa at the Stade de Luge and not at the Seychelles. I thought that this round should have also been there. Um, of course, uh, off the top of my head, I don't know if there was a men's game on that day or that week at the Luge. That will always that will always be something uh, that that will always be something that that will have to be factored in to such a thing. But when possible, these games should be put on the biggest stage. Uh, looking back here now, leg number one at Ibrox, like we said. I'll look at the lineups here. Start with Rangers. They played in a 3-5-2. Victoria Esson was the goalkeeper. They played with the th back three, as we said. Rachel McLaughlin, Lisa Martinez, and Nicola Doherty. Uh, five in midfield, starting with the wingbacks. Uh, Hay and Kerr. And then you have Cornet, Midag, and McLean as the three central midfielders behind the strikers, Jenny Julia Danielson and Kayla McCoy. Benfica comes out with Ruth Costa in goal, also playing a 3-4-3. This has been the adopted uh, system of play for Benfica due to the injuries. I do believe this is 100% due to the injuries. And I think I talked about it a little bit last time. And... Um, the truth is that, you know, uh, Befica have been handed quite a tough, a tough hand here. As uh, as you know, Katrina Amado comes back from the Euro injured and needs surgery and is going to be out for a couple of months. Silvia Revillo injured, coming back from the national team as well, and uh, it it just goes on from there. Jessica Silva not been herself this season. Uh, also coming back from injury, as is Kika Nazareth. So th that is a lot of firepower that Benfica is taking the pitch without, at least without them in full in full strength. So in this back three, Carol Costa anchors, and she's got Daniela Silva to her left as the left center, and she's got Ana Anasaisa to her right. Anasaisa, very very familiar playing as a central back. But Daniela Silva is a converted winger. This is something that I know some of the fan base is starting to criticize heavily. But remember that the, the women's team is under a much different financial reality than the men's team. They cannot just go out and get a right back whenever they lose somebody. They cannot just go out and sign players. Okay, uh, It's not that simple. So a lot of times, especially with defenders, uh, it's, they're not easy to find. And they have really relied on converting attackers into wingbacks to to fill out the defense and I think overall this really came to show as a major weakness in Barcelona but in this in this round also there were some signs here there were some signs here but that's the back three Lucy Alves was played as a right-sided midfielder as a right wing back if you will um, with Andrea Norton doing the same job on the far side Andrea Faria and Pauleta in the center of the park 
behind the strikers Ana Vitoria, Marta Sintra, and Chloe Lacath. Um, at least on paper, that's how it, it looked. It did change a bit during the match. Uh, you'd see Ana Vitoria playing more as a, a 10 with uh, Chloe and Marta kind of playing, you know, as the two strikers playing crossing runs. But what this Benfica team really lacks, and it has shown, is a, especially at this stage, was a box presence. Now, they have Nicole on the bench, Nicole Raisla, and she would come in uh, in the second half here and make a difference. And if you remember, this is the uh, this is the match where the somewhat embarrassing photo went viral of them having to tape the number twenty eight onto Nicole's jersey. Uh, she took a number nine jersey, which is what she normally wears this season. However, they registered her. They registered her in the UEFA competitions as number 28. So at least for this round, she had to wear 28 and she had a tape. They didn't bring a jersey with the right number. So they had to tape the number 28 and it looked atrocious. It, it looked like, you know, for the two, it was a Z with three strips of tape. And the eight was just a, like they put an X into the nine and covered it on the, closed it on the bottom, making an eight. This was really a not a good look for Befica on the international stage. But, again, uh, this was a match that Befica had a lot of trouble with. Uh, they will come out victors in it, victorious. But in the 25th minute, Kayla McCoy would score for Rangers, making it 1-0, uh, beating Uhud Costa. And Befica put on the ropes a little bit here. And, of course, whenever you go to a playoff, it's always difficult. Fortunately for Benfica, this year, it's a two-legged playoff. Okay, uh, we've seen in the past and in the previous rounds, they had to go through one-leg playoffs. They did have a two-legged playoff, and in the 38th minute, Ana Vitoria makes it 1-1 on a beautiful strike and um, sends it to the halftime team rooms 1-1, meaning that uh, Benfica now a little more under control. Of course, they're playing on the road, and when you're on the road in the first leg, you'll almost take a 1-1 back home with you. But maybe you could come out in the second half and play well. I mean, we see a substitution at halftime. Felipe Patel does a good job here. Um, again, credit where credit's due and criticism where it's due. But a very good job here of recognizing that that back three is not working. And she drops Lucia Alves into the back three, drops her to the left center defense. And Diana Silva's day is done. And Nicole Raisla comes on, which then shifts two or three other players around. But it, it it solidifies the back line a little bit. And it has Benfica on the front foot going into the second half. And it doesn't take long. It's, it's, it is in minute 56, uh, Ana Vitoria with the goal, making it 2-1. to one. And now things look good for Benfica. And you're thinking that uh, they're going to go and cruise to this. But then in two minutes later, 58th minute, Kayla McCoy again gets on the score sheet. She gets two goals on the night. It's 2-2, and a little bit of nerves set in. If he could try to adjust a little bit and try to get back on the front foot, they get control of the match back. I mean, they they are the team with with the better possession as I look at it here. They, they have slightly better possession in this one. And in the 78th minute, a real break as Paulita fires one in on goal and... And uh, Victoria Eason makes a real mess of it on what should have been a routine catch. She kind of bobbles the ball, loses it for a second, steps back into the goal, takes the ball with her into the goal. Referee points. It is a goal to, to Paulita Benfica. 
get very, very lucky here. And they leave Ibrox with a 3-2 a victory thanks to that, let's be, call it what it is, Frangu. And uh, got to be happy to be headed back to Seychelles and with this one goal lead going into the second half. And in the second leg now, Befica knowing they just have to see out the 90 minutes. I mean, I think maybe they knew that a little too much. A couple changes in the lineup for this one. Um, Filippo will go with Hoot again in goal. And Lucia moves into the back line. Again, the experiment of Diana Silva there is over. But it's it's Caro playing with Lucia and, and Ana Saisa. In midfield, you got Ana Vitoria and Andrea Norton doing a lot of the wingback uh, work as well. So a lot of players being moved out of position, and this is affecting the team. I mean, it's great that Benfica have these types of versatile players, but you're not getting the best out of Ana Vitoria when she's playing as a wingback. Same with Andrea Norton. I mean, Andrea Norton is the best player on this football team, in my opinion, okay? Um, she's not the goal scorer, so she's not going to score all the goals. She's not, this, she's not offensively so dangerous, but she is... In the middle of the park, the most intelligent player we have. Her her footwork is fantastic. She finds spaces. She turns away from pressure almost every time. She manages to create space and then finds the good pass. She really is the link-up player in this team. Um, for as good as, you know, Diana Frias and Andrea Fria and the Paulitas are playing, uh, Andrea Norton's on another level, and I think she has the ability to play at another level to play in one of the bigger leagues. Um, fortunately, she plays for us. Uh, but if you've seen her play both with the Portuguese national team, when she's on the pitch, she looks like the most comfortable footballer on the pitch. Okay, at least on, on her teams. Um, yes, Kika is an is the most talented player. She's most out-of-this-world player uh, with the highest ceiling. But right now, she is not 100% healthy. And she's not seeing a lot of minutes. She's seeing a limited role. And I think that's really hurting Befica. Um, especially when your other creative player, which is Ana Vitoria, is playing in an out-of-position role, you know. Um, but those are the four across the midfield and up front. We do see Nicole come in now with the proper number 28 printed on her jersey. Uh, she plays in as the box presence, which is, you know, something Befica lacked in the first leg, especially in that first half of the first leg. And she partners with Valeria and with Chloe. Chloe comes up uh, big in this one, and uh, she has herself a good game again. But for, for uh, Rangers, they switched to a 4-5-1, of course. They're going to try to see this one. They took an interesting approach. Even though they were down a goal, they waited. They were going to be patient in this one, wait for their opportunity, and uh, try to send this to extra time. Once you know, that's exactly what, what happened as the match played out. Victoria Essen again in goal. Rachel McLaughlin. Uh, Tessel Medag, Lisa Martinez, Nicola Doherty in the back. Uh, in the midfield, you've got Arno, McLean, Kerr, Cornet, and Hay again, and Kayla McCoy, the goal scorer who had the double in the first leg, starts alone at striker. And, you know, this match went, um, as you could imagine, it, it was a very calculated match. I think we're the better team for much of it. But, again, not getting the opportunities and not really finishing their opportunities and um, not able to find the back of the net in 90 minutes, let's be honest. Uh, a lot of possession, a lot of, of control, but, again, looking so much like they're just trying to play out the clock from the beginning and trying to just control the results, knowing they had the one-goal lead. But it comes back to get them now. 
Uh, in the 57th minute, Rangers make a interesting substitution as Emma Watson comes in for uh, for McLean and changes the shape of the Rangers side. And Rangers start to start to get a, a few more opportunities, but if you could push back a bit here and really starting to to worry, if you will. Um, in the 80th minute, Lucia Alves will see a yellow card. Um, and keep that in mind because that will come in handy in a few minutes. But in the 87th, Emma Watson beats Ruth Costa. And suddenly, Rangers have drawn level on the night and in the round. And now this one is going to extra time. And fortunately, very early in extra time, before it got too nervy, Chloe Lacasse does what she does and creates something out of nothing coming down the left side, beating beating her defender, cutting in onto her right foot and finding the space between the goalkeeper and the post, burying it into the back of the goal. 1-1 on the night. Befica back in charge, back ahead in the round. It is now 4-3 on aggregate, 93rd minute, third minute of extra time. And we see some substitutions in the 109th from Felipe Patel. Jessica Silva on. Andrea Norton off. And Christy Uchibi comes on. The Nigerian replaces Andrea Faria. But in the 111th, in the midst of a mix-up, uh, you get you get uh, kind of a little bit of a scuffle. And I, I really did not agree with the referee on this one, but uh, Lucia Alves gets herself involved a little bit with her. No, not that Sam Kerr, a different one. Um, <laughs> it's it's not the Sam Kerr you're thinking about, but a, a player by the same name, Samantha Kerr. Uh, she gets involved. They shove each other, and the referee gives a yellow card to each. And what that means now is that both uh, they I should say they get a, they each get a yellow card, meaning Lucia Alves has been sent off her second yellow card. The tears do flow from the young defender's eyes, and I didn't like this decision one bit. I don't think she did enough to to earn a yellow card. It was Samantha Kirk, you know, pushing and even you know standing over over her, the Benfica player. I can't remember now which player it was, but it was a very very harsh ruling from the referee. And now Benfica down to 10 players with nine minutes to see out the result. But fortunately, one minute from 121 minute from the end of extra time, uh, Ruth Costa puts the ball down and uh, on a drop kick plays Jessica Silva in. Jessica gets in behind and finishes with class. And Benfica will go up 2-1 on the night, 5-3 on aggregate. That's going to be the end. For Rangers and Benfica will win this one in advance to the group stage of the UEFA Women's Champions League. So let's move forward now to the UEFA Women's Champions League. Benfica drawn, as we said, into Group D with with heavy, absolute heavyweights. Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and Rosengard. It's going to be very, very difficult to even, to even get a point in this group. And I don't think the fan base really, really understands that. I, I see what I'm noticing, and this is kind of frustrating. And there's a lot of there is a lot of there's a lot of criticism towards the team, towards the players when they when they're put up on this stage against this level of players. Which, let's be honest, they're not quite at yet. A lot of them, but they're working their way there, and, and there needs to be patience in Benfica Nation. 
when it comes to this, this is, you know, this is a very, very hard level to really bring the team up to. And I've said before, and I'm going to say it again, UEFA needs to create a Europa League for women because there's too big of a gap right now for the Benf between the Benficas and the Barcelonas. And as we saw in the early uh, elimination stages, the early preliminary stages, there's an even there's just as big a gap between Benfica and the teams they eliminated to get to the playoff round. And now you see a team like Rangers who took Benfica to the limit. They don't get any more European football all season. And there's no way for these teams to get closer to this level uh, without playing more more games and playing more teams at their level. So uh, this is a very, very difficult, very, um, you know, this is what Benfica play for. This is what they get into the Champions League to, to compete against. But the reality of it is much different. And again, without key players in the lineup, it's always going to be very, very hard for Benfica to compete. And it was really unlucky that it is Barcelona first with all these players missing. But I'll bring up the lineups now. And the big difference here, Benfica's average age about 23. Barcelona's average age, 27. They're not just a very good team with world-class players. They're a very experienced team. They've been to the last two Champions League finals. Like I said, last year they lost the year before they won big. They beat Chelsea like 6-0 two seasons ago in the final. Okay, so that's how good of a team this is. Now they're they're missing their best player and the world player of the year who just was, you know, just won the women's Ballon d'Or, uh, Alexia Putejas. She's out still with an injury. She missed the Euro, but again, such a strong team in this Barcelona. They're playing a four-three-three. Just they're they play just like the men, and they they I'm, I said this on on all my social media before the match. I said this is a big game for our women, but understand that they are playing the best team in the world. I've said that before. They are better than any NWSL team here in the United States. I will stand by that statement, and I will not back down from that statement. Okay. Um, simply, the roster rules in NWSL for me will prevent that any team ever sees, is ever this much, you know, has this much quality on the pitch. They may be better athletes in NWSL. They may be able to to shut down Barcelona or to 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 minimize their abilities. But in terms of just footballing talent, and in terms of um, skill on the ball, and in terms of just the intangibles. This Barcelona team is the best team in the world. I, I'll stand by that. Again, they lost one match all year last year. It just happened to be the Champions League final to maybe the next best team in the world, Leon. So they go in a 4-3-3. Jim Afont is the goalkeeper. England's international right back. Lucy, Lucy Bronze starts at right back with Irene Paredes and Mape Leon in the, in the central back positions. Nuna Rabano, the left back. In midfield, the very, very good player of the match, Atiana Bonmati, uh, starts on the right with Ingrid Ingen in the center and Patricia Guijarro playing uh, as the left center. And actually, according to SofaScore here, Patricia uh, Guijarro, or Patti as she wears on her jersey, was the player of the match with the 9.0 rating. Or one of the, I, I stand corrected, she was not the player of the match because the striker, Asiat Oshuala is the player of the match. She had a 9.4 rating with two goals. Uh, the Nigerian is Africa's best women's player. And my goodness, she is 
a phenomenal goal scorer. And then this this front three is just scary. Ana Maria Krongovic Krongorsevich um, is on her right, and Mariona Taltendeni is on her left. And I think Mariona wears uh, I think she wears Mariona on her jersey. I think that's the name she wears on her jersey. Some of these players wear a nickname on their jersey, just like uh, the the Portuguese players sometimes do. So it is. You know, it's all, sometimes the names are hard to remember. But uh, again, I said this, and I will say it again. If you did not watch this match, go back and just watch Barcelona's women play. If you haven't seen them play, I highly recommend it. If you don't think women's football is the real deal, and you don't think they can play at this at that kind of a level, watch Barcelona's women's team play. They are phenomenal. Okay, and poor Befica comes in here missing, as I said, missing. Katarina Madu missing uh, Silvia Rebelu missing Ana Saisa, who picked up an injury in warm-ups at the weekend against Famalicão, missing Lucia Alves because she ha- was red-carded against Rangers. And you can already see where this is going, okay? Again, Kika and Kika and Jessica left on the bench. Patrice, uh, Patrice, sorry, uh, Philippa Patton took a ton of criticism for this on t- Twitter, at least. But um, everyone really, really critical of that decision. I kind of get it. I mean, they're not a hundred percent, and Befica were not going to see the ball in this in this match very much. And maybe, maybe, maybe uh, Philippa took to the pitch a little too naive in this one because with this many changes in the team. I personally wouldn't have tried to play so much football. I would have played a much more direct game. Uh, we saw for a good half hour in, at the opening that Befica had struggled to even get out of their end. I mean, a goal kick, our our own goal kicks were very, very dangerous uh, plays uh, for us because we really couldn't play out. Um, but here's how we, we lined up. Ruth Costa in goal. I'll talk about the goalkeeping situation in just a minute. Uh, the right back in this one had to be Valeria Cantuario again, uh, forced to go with a, a forward at at back. Uh, Daniela Silva again not ready for this level to as an adapted uh, outside back, and uh, almost unfair to ask the young player to try to play on the same side as Ana Maria uh, Gronosovic. Uh, again some of the world's best players on the other end and uh, almost unfair. And then the two in the center of defense is Karol Costa and the 20-year-old Carolina Correa getting her first start in the most, um, in the most, uh, you know, inconvenient of ways. Poor Carolina Correa, 20 years old, really just starting to, to, to venture into the first team this season. So basically, the back line is is Carol Costa and and a youth player, and then converted forwards. Midfield, we had Pauleta, Andrea Faria, and Andrea Norton. Uh, Andrea Norton for me was was quite good in this match. She doesn't have a great rating here on Sofa Score, but considering the type of pressure she was under, she on a number of occasions was able to receive the ball, turn into uh, open space versus into pressure, and find the next pass. But really, if you could only put one to two passes together at any point in this one, um, 
And, you know, the, the, I watched this match on YouTube, on DAZN's YouTube. I did listen to the Portuguese commentary after the first 15 minutes because the English commentary was getting on my nerves, to be honest. They knew nothing about Befica. Um, and uh, the Portuguese commentary was very good, but they, they did mention that there wasn't a situation almost in the entire first half where a Befica player received a ball not facing their own goal. It was literally all match long facing your own goal when receiving the ball and the pressure was just too much in Barcelona. Just too good at this point. The front three is a good front three with Nicole playing as the striker. Uh, Ana Vitoria to her right and Chloe to her left. But again, uh, I think a mistake here uh, was playing Ana Vitoria too high. I think 4-4-2 might have been or even 4-5-1 might have been the better system for this one, especially considering all of the absences. I know that that you know, and the men's team has done this so well this year when they've gone on the road in the Champions League that they've managed to keep their identity. But the men's team has never gone into a match against against say against. This is comparable to when the men took on PSG, missing five starters, five start when where their replacements are essentially players out of position and youth team players. So much much different reality. So I think the mistake, if I'm going to make a criticism, was Mefica trying to keep their identity too much in this match rather than just trying to knock it long, trying to keep their shape and just to keep bodies behind the ball and cut out the passing lanes. They might have played better with, with five across the back. Who knows? Although they don't have any more defenders either. I suppose you'd have to drop uh, Paulita in between the two central defenders and drop Ana Vitoria into the the center midfield role. Um, perhaps that would have been the, the move. You could drop Chloe into a gap there between her and Nicole, but you risk them not getting the ball. But literally all Benfica was able to do in this match was try to defend. So in the same way, I get the criticism of not starting Jessica, not starting uh, Kika. I don't know what Kika was going to bring to this match, to be honest with you guys. Uh, she was going to be running behind the ball, marking the whole time, and, and that's not her game. Um, I understand both sides of it, but I think I think I can see why she was not chosen to play from the start in this one. Um, we don't really get much information as to what this, the fitness status is of her and Jessica. Jessica's pace would have been useful in this one if she was, if she had played uh, in an attempt to to counterattack. But to be honest, outside of Karol Kosta, I mean, nobody's even clearing the ball far enough to counterattack. It, it was just a complete overmatch in this one, and the results a little bit exaggerated as a result. Um, yeah, the one thing you want to do in a match like this is you want to keep it nil nil as long as you can. You saw in the men's cup match, and I talked about this at length, and you saw Kaldish come out, and Kaldish kept the game 0-0 for a long time. They kept themselves in the match. Had Benfica scored early in that men's game, and then followed up with the second goal, I think it would have been a, an easy 4-5-0 victory for Benfica in that one. That didn't happen. In this one, the very worst possible thing happened. It was right off of the start, and I mean right off the start. I think it was 35 seconds in. Pati scores from Oshwala, and it's 1-0. 14th minute, Atiana scores from Oshwala, 2-0. And you really feel at this point, in the 34th minute, when Oshwala makes it 3-0, 
that Befica have yet to even get out of their defensive third with the ball. It's been very, very difficult. Um, a lot of people placing a lot of blame on the selection of the... It, it's funny, the same people last year who said Katie Talbert had no business being the goalkeeper for Befica uh, were calling for Katie Talbert to play in this one, saying she's better than Ruth Koshla. Now, again, the same people who think that the goalie needs to be good with their feet, okay, which Ruth Koshla is better than Katie Talbert with her feet. That That's a fact. And I think that's why she plays. And I think she's a very good goalkeeper. A lot of these goals, I don't blame her. Uh, you cannot help what, what her height is. But, you, I mean, the, 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 the women's goalies are not the same height as the men's goalies. They're going to get beat over their head. That's part of the game in the women's game. Okay. Oshwala's goal in the top corner that she was an absolute rifle. Uh, it was a missile that went into the top corner. Is going to go in no matter who the goalie is. Yes, I know. We had Leticia last year. We had Lele. And she made a huge difference in the Champions League because she is that caliber of goalkeeper. And it doesn't hurt that she's, you know, over six feet tall. It doesn't hurt. But we don't have that goalkeeper in our team right now. Nor do we have the ability to go get one, I don't believe. And the other difficult thing is to go get a goalkeeper of that caliber. You're going to get a goalkeeper for at best six Champions League matches. Maybe with the right draw, you 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 can get out and get to the quarterfinals. Who knows? But it's a big investment for a goalkeeper that, in all domestic play, is going to be sitting on the you know edge of her eighteen, twiddling her thumbs a lot of times, because you know the goalkeeping just only comes into to play so few times in the domestic league. So it's very hard to bring a top notch international goalkeeper uh, into the team. You know who's who's not going to see much action outside of these very difficult matches, and um, we had one. We let her go. We didn't get compensated for whatever the reasons. I know there were personal reasons, and I understand. Again, the women's game is not the men's game, and um, you know the players when they're you know they're let out of contracts much easier. They're not making nearly as much money. Uh, it's not the same reality. You can't really hold a player men's or women's against their will at a club in this day and age, but especially in the women's. Um, it's just not the way that the the teams are managed. And she left. The problem I have with it is that the club was not compensated. Um, and now she's in the Copa Libertadores finals with Corinthians. Um, right now, Leticia is. And we, uh, again, they got her basically on a free. That part aggravates me and aggravates many. Um, but the Game it goes into halftime three nil and you're thinking with a little bit of confidence with a little bit of, um, a little bit of maybe some speed inserted into the lineup that Benfica may be able to slow the bleeding a little bit in the second half. But again, five minutes into the second half, Mariana scores on a nice assist from uh, Atiana, and again th these are just world class footballers. Uh, Philippa maybe moves too late. She brings on Jessica Silva and and brings on Kika in the 54th, replacing Andrea Faria and Nicole Reisler. And uh, 10 minutes later, again, the now the floodgates start to open as Ana Maria Kron-Gorsevich uh, finds the back of the net on an assist from Mariana. And it's 5-0, and Barcelona empties their bench at that point. Four players come on. Uh, Codina 
Jace, our former player, Jace, comes on. I'm going to talk about her in a minute. Um, again, who a player who left this team under questionable uh, circumstances. Again, very little told to us about the reason why she left. And um, she comes on here replacing replacing Kronogorsevich, uh, while Rolfo replaces Rabanio and... Pina replaces Atiana Bonmati. And again, one minute later with her first touch on the ball, Pati Guijaro finds Jace and Jace beats Ruth Costa. And I didn't really appreciate Jace celebrating in that, mo in that manner, playing against uh, her former club. In our culture, that's just not something that we really accept from former players. From The club did her a favor and allowed her to leave mid-season, remind you. She left mid-season, allowed her to go sign with another team with no compensation. And then this is, you know, again, I know if you're, depending where in the world you're listening to this, because uh, I know, especially in the UK, they don't get this part of... of the Latin culture of not celebrating, you know, goals against your former teams. But um, in this case, I, especially at 6-0, it seems a bit much. And she would score again and celebrate more when she would hit, when she would score in the 88th minute. Um, Carolina Clea goes in the book in the 78th for a foul on, on um, Mariola. She's beaten. She does anything she can to stop her. She grabs her and then tackles the ball away, um, knowing she's going in the book. And in the 84th, Oshuala does it again after uh, Mariona wins the ball on the on the on the end line on the byline. Uh, beats, I believe she beat. Um, I believe it. Was, I can't remember now. I believe it was Carolina Correa again, who she beats, who was just in over her head in this one, and then touches it across the face of goal for a tap in for Oshuala. And they weren't done yet in the 88th. It, and I missed a goal here from from, Cla from Claudia Pina, uh, assisted by Jace. And then in the ninth, in the 88th minute, the ninth goal, Jace on an assist from Claudia Pina. They re the reverse of the of the seventh goal. It's nine nil. Jace celebrates again. I don't like. I don't appreciate it personally. I think it's it's disrespectful for a team that again, like I said, allowed her to leave for whatever reason she wanted to leave. Um, allowed her to go to another club without compensating our own club. It hurt our club. Okay, it made that that championship more difficult than it needed to be. Um, she was one of the key attackers on our team. I know there were things going on between her. And I think it was the man. I think the manager at the time was Andrade. Um, but again, just uh, Befica let her leave for nothing. And um, I don't like the way she celebrated these goals. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, Kika did see enough of the ball and do some. Of course, the pressure was relieved a bit by the time she came on, allowing her to play a bit. She's so talented. I'm not saying that she's not. And. Uh, I think one day we're going to see Kika on one of these super teams. Um, so I'm trying to enjoy her while she's on Befica. I think she's a player that's actually going to bring in a transfer fee that can really help this club in the future. But uh, she ends up being Befica's player of the match with a 7.2 rating here, while Ashwola uh, for Barcelona, 9.4. Uh, the referee mercifully calls full-time at 9-0. This is not what we wanted. Um uh, I think a 5-0 would have been 
would have been a respectable result in this one. But to lose 9-0, even to such a strong team, really hurts. The team needs to pick their head up now and needs to uh, move forward because there's league football to focus on and there's more Champions League coming. It doesn't get any easier, easier. next week on the 27th. Uh, we'll be hosting Bayern Munich at the Seychelles. Um, and we know how good they are. We saw them last season. So there's no time for feeling sorry for yourself at this point, and you got to turn it around and know that you can do better next week. All right, going to take a quick break here, and on the other side, we'll get into the league action and get right up to date on the Liga BPI and everything that's been going on so far in this 2022-2023 season. This is Mr. Befica, the Mr. Mike Agustinio with you. Follow me on Twitter at Befica Mr. or on Instagram at Mr. Befica. Be right back. And welcome back to the final segment for this episode 146 uh, women's football update. And we're going to look in now at the Liga BPI. Um, not really remembering where we left off on the BPI in the last time I, I talked about the women's episode. But I'll just uh, I'll recap the last uh, the last couple of matches here. I think we got two matches to talk about. So I'm bringing up Benfica's last two matches here. Uh, as it is, uh, just an update, it is almost kickoff time at the Dragon right now. And uh, it, it's starting to get exciting, but I will wrap up this episode before I go and watch. I'd give you the lineups, but this is you're obviously not listening live because this is uh, just an audio form of the podcast. It's not streaming live right now. So by the time you hear this, obviously that game will be over and whatever happened will have happened. But let's take a look at Benfica's last uh, two uh, matchups in the Liga BPI. Uh, we'll go back to, and actually, we did cover Befica versus we did cover Befica versus Maritimo, if I'm not mistaken. It was a six nil win for Befica back on September the 11th. It was a long time ago. There was a big late. Actually, that was round one. In round two, Befica beats Albergeria four nil on the 17th of September um, on the road, and in that one, we had goals from Ana Saisa. Uh, Lucia Alves, uh, Ana Araujo, and uh, Chloe Lacasse. 
not sure who Ana Araujo is. Uh, I don't remember that one. That must have been an that was an own goal. That's why. Okay, so we got a, an own goal and then uh, three goals from from one from Chloe, one from Lucia, and one from Ari, from uh, Ana Ana Saisa Anita Saisa. Uh, bringing Befica to six points at that point. So that's where I believe we left off. So only one match to catch you up on then, and that was last Saturday. Befica hosting, you know, outside title contenders, Fumalikau, the first uh, matchup against one of the big ones in the league this season. And Befica take care of business quite well, um, although it did take a while. Befica win this one 3-0 over Fumalikau. A lot of familiar names on that Fumalikau, former Befica players. We got, you know, you got... Um, Denny Newhouse in goal for Fumalikau, and she was helpful to Befica in this one, to be quite honest. There was a frangu in there um, that uh, was awarded to Chloe, but she really should have been able to, to keep it out. Also in this team, we saw Rical Infant, one of our former center backs, and Patti Lanos, another one of our former midfielders, Patricia Llano, Alanos, excuse me, um, <laughs> known as Patti uh, and also Raquel Tavares, former Sporting player. This is a well, a well-built um, family count side. And if you could take care of business in the second half, Chloe has a second half hat trick. Goals in the fifty-fifth, seventy-first, and seventy-seventh. And um, the first one was brilliant. She, the third one was brilliant. But that second one was kind of a gift from our former goalkeeper Danny Newhouse there. But no uh, no complaining here from me. Befica win. That's three victories on out of three matches in the Liga BPI. Next up in the Liga BPI, Befica hosting Lank Villaverdense, a team that's on six points right now. They will see them this Saturday, the 23rd. It's a 10 a.m. kickoff time here on the east coast of the United States. It means it's 3 p.m. in Portugal. And um, Benfica looking to stay perfect in the league and looking to put this Barcelona match behind them. That's the most important thing. And the best way to do that is to go out and score a lot of goals because Benfica are behind Sporting right now in the table on goal difference. So why not go out there and uh, take it out on Lunk Villaverdense? That's what top teams do. Um, a, again, a, a tough week for Benfica, but. It'd be a great way to rebound before hosting Bayern Munich next. Uh, is that Wednesday, the twenty seventh, which is next uh, Thursday? So next Thursday, Benfica hosting Bayern Munich at the Seychelles. Um, so let's take a look a little bit at the table now in the Liga BPI. We're through three rounds again. I misspoke last episode. I should mention this uh, out front. I misspoke last episode because I thought we were playing. A normal, uh, a norm, not a normal. Uh, playing the format we have played in the past two seasons with the qualifying round and then the final round. I'm glad we're going back to a traditional league format. There are 12 teams in the Liga BPI this year. Um, you play everybody twice. 22 league matches. I, I wish the league was a little bit larger. Um, this seems to be the standard size. I mean, it's the same size as the WSL in in uh, England. So it seems like this is the standard size. For women's leagues, but I really think um, more matches are better, honestly. Um, 
but that is what it is. That's why we have the Toss of the Liga in the format that we have it. We did also have a win in the Toss of the Liga, I think, uh, against, I want to say, Valadares Gaia. We, we pulled off a large victory, if I'm not mistaken. And now we have a second leg um, in December, a long time from now. Uh, that's when we'll have a second leg in that one. So Benfica with one foot in the semifinals, the final four of the League Cup. And... Um, well, the season is starting to to chug along a little bit. So here's the table now after three rounds. Sporting are the leaders for the time being all with three victories, no draws, no defeats, 16 goals for none allowed, nine points. Benfica behind them, uh, same record, but 13 goals for none against. Of course, one of our matches was against uh, was against Family Count, which, which, you know, Makes it a little bit tougher. Uh, it's a little tougher to run the score up against them. Braga are third right now. Also on nine points. They got 13 goals for, just like we do, but they have allowed five. Uh, the Mayans is fourth right now on seven points. Lunk Villaverdense, our next opponents, on sixth in fifth. Uh, Famalico are sixth right now, but I expect them to, to climb and to end up higher in the table very soon. They've got a win, a loss, and a defeat. That defeat, of course, is to us. Uh, they got seven goals for four against three of those four, of course, coming from the foot of Chloe Lacasse. So uh, watch out. I think I think Fumley-Cone will climb that table in the coming weeks once their schedule evens out a little bit. Uh, Tuchiens sits seventh right now. They have three points from a victory and two defeats. Volodarj Gaia. Eighth with uh, one victory, two defeats, also with three points. Albergeria are ninth right now on one point. And then in the drop zone, in the relegation playoff spots, Oriens with one point, two goals for 10 against, sitting 10th. And they are one point better than the two teams in the bottom right now. Amora are 11th with no points, three defeats, two goals for 15 against for a minus 13, while Maritimu also on minus 13. Tough, tough year for the Madarin club, both in men's and women's. They are at the bottom of the table in both leagues right now. Neither team with a victory. Uh, Maritimu's women, despite having Telma and Karnaso in their team, only one goal scored this season, 14 allowed. Because they have scored one and Amora have scored two, Amora has the tiebreak and Amora right now sits in a relegation playoff spot while Maritima are in the direct drop zone. Of course, they're one victory away from being in, in relative safety. So very, very early days here in the Liga BPI and... Um, I think the table is going to move around a little bit, but it looks like one team goes down automatically. The next two go into a four-team relegation playoff system with the top, I'm guessing the second and third place team from the second division. Um, and I'm going to try to find the stats here for a moment. For of PlaymakerStats.com, we have the Liga BPI Top goal, top scorers, and right now it is Sporting's Brenda Perez in the lead with six goals. Our Chloe Lacasse right behind her with five, and then Sporting's Diana Silva with three. Uh, right now, Sporting's Ana Borges has the most assists with four. Um, next round of matches. So here we go. This coming weekend, 
The round starts off on Friday, actually. We have a Friday match, a rare Friday match in the Liga BPI. This weekend, uh, it is Torres hosting Sporting in Torres Vedras, and that is a 3 p.m. kickoff, um, 3 p.m. local time kickoff, that is, on Friday. By the time you listen to this, that may have gone by. Um, that's an interesting matchup, no doubt, as uh, may perhaps Torres can can give the current league leaders on goal difference a little bit of a hard time and at least <laughs> hold them back from scoring as many goals. We'll see how that goes. And then Saturday, like we said, uh, the first game is early, 1 o'clock local time, which is uh, 8 o'clock uh, Eastern time here in the United States where I'm recording, and 5 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. Valadares Gaia hosting Braga. And then the rest of the match is being played at 3 p.m. local time or 10 a.m. my time. Uh, Amora hosting Oriense. Benfica hosting Lanc Vila Verdense, which we already talked about. Famalicão hosting Albergaria. And Damayans hosting last place Maritimo. So um, the Classico is about to kick off. I'm going to be calling it an episode here at this point. Uh, I will be back this weekend and... Uh, I'm not sure yet if we're going to have uh, a men's and women's grouped into one episode if if after talking about the Classico. Um, I don't want to just jam the women's team at the end of a at the end of a big episode where I talk about the Classico. I, I prefer to give them their own episodes um, when you know when possible. So I'm not sure yet if episode 147 is going to have coverage of both matches or if I'm going to have a separate uh, episode for the men in a separate episode for the women this week. So just stay tuned, okay? Uh, make sure you follow wherever you're listening at uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, CastBox, at uh, iHeartRadio, at Amazon uh, Music, wherever you're listening, Audible. All right, make sure you subscribe there. Uh, give a five-star rating wherever you can. It helps get the podcast out there. Share the podcast with your Bifkista friends, okay? And I'll be back soon. I'll be back this weekend to talk more Benfica as we continue to move through this 2022-2023 season. This has been Mr. Benfica, part of the PTB Media Network. I'm the Mr. Mike Agustinu, and I'm signing off. For more information or for older episodes, feel free to check out www.mrbefica.com and catch up there. Have a great, great weekend, everybody, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye now. Thank you.